Welcome into episode 149 of the Inside Bassmaster podcast presented by Black Rifle Coffee Company. I'm your host as usual, Ronnie Moore, my co-host like always, Kyle Jesse. And Kyle, we start off every month, the first podcast of every month is the Pattern of the Month episode. And today we get the honor to, to be joined by Clifford Perch, not only as an Elite Series pro and one of the best finesse fishermen on tour, he is also a West Coast angler. So he's going to give us a different perspective of the uh, the fishing that's out there in the fall. So Clifford, where are you at right now and how are you doing? And and your off season's off and running. Does that mean you get to chill or are you fishing and hunting even more? Well, <clears throat> well, first of all, good morning, guys. I uh, Or whatever time it is, I guess, when, when you play it. But <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, here on Roosevelt Lake. Uh, I've got a little thing this morning and, and, uh, going to go out, going to go out on the water for a little while today and, and, uh, have some fun. Um, kind of got off season things going on, a lot of catching up from being gone and, uh, a little bit of hunting. There's a, there's an elk, uh, there's an early rut hunt going on or kind of finishing up. Uh, my team tournament partner got, got a big bull a couple days ago and, uh, yeah, just kind of doing that kind of stuff, uh, working on some bait things and and uh, new tackle stuff, and getting ready for the U.S. Open. That's coming up in about a week or so, week plus, and going to practice there next week. And just uh, kind of enjoying being home. I really enjoy coming home to the West. So, Clifford, the first thing we like to normally ask when it comes to the Pattern of the Month episode is whatever time period it is, What's your train of thought? So for October fishing, you can relate it to the Southeast like we had for the elite schedule in 2020, you know, when we fished tournaments there, or you can relate it out fall uh, fishing in the West. But October, where's Clifford Perch's mind at for for maybe attacking some Arizona bass? Well, um, you know, fall is really a time of, of lots of things going on. You know, you've got fish all over in the water column, top to bottom and, and bottom meaning really deep, you know, at times. So, uh, if I'm talking main lake fish, um, you know, they're going to be on schools of bait and they're, they're pretty mobile. Usually you might find a, uh, a major area, a big ledge, big flat. That's, that's got schools of them roaming and, and chasing bait. Uh, but they don't even have to relate to something sometimes. So, uh, um, lots of fish and, uh, fun fishing. You can really get big, big numbers, you know, like 50 fish days here. Uh, it's one of those things where when you when you find them and get into them, it's really good. And it's typically a typically a midday thing. That's what we're doing today. We're just going to fish from about nine o'clock till maybe two or three. And uh, it's it's a high sun type of deal where where it just seems like that that midday range is really the best fishing. And so a uh, number of things be going on. Uh, one way to really catch them good uh, is just a drop shot. I've got my new cliffhanger worm here. Uh, it's a four and a half inch drop shot uh, worm. And basically uh, I can take that to any level. You know, you're watching them on your electronics and uh, you know, if they're on top, well, you can catch them on a top water, but when they go down, you can't, you know, so you can catch them pretty much any level uh, doing that. One thing I've learned about it over the last uh, 10, 15 years guiding uh, during this time of year, uh, bright colors, real bright colors. I've got uh, a couple colors to show you here, but, just my bright reds. This one's a new one called cranberry. Uh, it's it's a it's a real deep red. Uh, Polluted dawn is another one. It's it's just a bold bold, uh, bright pink color. And and I don't know what it is other than just sunlight penetration and being bright. You know I've I've tried 
like shad color imitations and your normal natural greens. But there is something about uh, having a real bright colored worm out in that open water just gets bit the most. And, and one way to kind of learn that is having two or three guys in the boat and you're like, man, the guy with the red or pink is really getting bit. And it, it's, uh, it, it becomes real evident. So that's kind of a tip that I'd, that I'd use for uh, October, that mid, mid-fall uh, pattern on those open water fish. And, uh, you know, it's just a, it's a, it's a fun way to fish. You're dropping it into schools of bass, getting it in that zone. And, and they, they might be 30 feet, you know what I mean? They might be 50, 20, and you'll watch them as you move with them. It's amazing how much they'll move uh, up and down in the water columns. So it's a fun way to get them. Um, if I'm tournament fishing or if I'm, uh, you know, trying to get big ones, I'm probably going to go a different route. Now you can catch a big one like that. And you do, you get some mixed in, uh, it's just schools of fish that you get all kinds of sizes. But if I was going to select for a big bite, trying to get my five biggest, um, a lot of times I'm going to look for more off color water. I want to go, uh, uh, possibly river ends or somewhere that's got some stain from some wave or wind action and uh probably target those fish with uh, uh depending on the water clarity but but i might be flipping a jig um you know to heavy cover uh i think typically you can you're not going to get very many bites but it's a good way to select for the right bites so fall fishing um and it, and it varies from lake to lake you know I'm, I'm on roosevelt here we've got a ton of clear water through the middle but then there's a couple of river ends and some other coves and arms that have some color in them and Lots and lots of flooded heavy cover right now where, um, you know, if you've got some clarity, uh, a top water will really be a, a big factor. And right now, you know, they're catching a ton of them. I've got a, I've got a Rico here, uh, a real Rico. It's the bigger one. I can really throw it a mile. I can throw it a long ways. And uh, it's, it's something I can fish around cover, be real specific. Um, and it will also get some big bites. You know, top water is another great way in the fall to get some of those big ones. But again, that's when I've got some clarity. You know, I want to make sure I've got clarity for them to see it good. And, uh, you know, we've got tons of shallow cover right now, so that really holds a lot of fish shallow too. So um, off color water, I'm probably going to go flipping, maybe, you know, might run a, a shallow crankbait and stuff like that. And the later it gets, I might do some more of those things, but uh, uh, decent clarity. I'm going to go top water. If I want a lot of fish or really have a bunch of good action, I'm going to go for some of those schooling fish and, and use my little, uh, drop shot worm. So, uh, and, and, and a number of things will work, but, uh, for a suspended fish, but that's just one that really gets bit no matter what depth they don't have to be on the bottom, like with a football jig or, or, you know, a, a, a jigging spoon, you know, we'll, we'll do some of the same things as well, but, uh, um, that's just really a good all around fish catcher. Now, uh, a number of years ago, when I got to fish out west a lot more, we had some big tournaments. Uh, the National Guard Series came out, and, and uh, I won one on Clear Lake, and it was just one of the most amazing tournaments I've ever got to fish uh, with a football jig. And that was a little bit later as they started to get, get on the bottom, and there was a number of patterns going on. There were shallow, deep fish, and uh, I got on a little something that were fish between six and 11 pounds so it was that was a fun way but again it was a jig uh real real selectively picking targets and uh you know getting those five big ones you know again if i was going to really catch them that drop shot really is hard to beat so that's kind of a couple of fall a handful of fall things 
um, we're going to go out and throw some top waters a little bit today and, and, uh, and use that cliffhanger worm and try to catch a bunch. And it's a really good crappie lake. So I'm, I'm going to hopefully <laughs> go home with a few in the live. Well, I did put a crappie jig in, crappie rod, and uh, uh, I will try to go home with a few fillets for the. What do you mean? The- Everybody in the Elite Series throws crappie jigs these days. It's just for bass. You didn't know that? I mean, come on. That's yeah. the normal tackle now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it, and uh, you do catch you do catch a number of things on them, but but I, there's giant crappies in this lake, so I'll, I'll probably go try to take home a handful of them today. Clifford, Ronnie mentioned this earlier, but this is obviously like you know a learning deal for me, he and I as well, because we're not you know necessarily from Arizona or know a whole lot about fishing there this time of year. Just to to further on Ronnie's question, kind of set up like the weather that you guys typically experience in October what the water temperatures typically range from. Um, and then, you know, where you would consider the stage of the fish, like still transitioning fully into the fall or, you know, still kind of in late summer. How would you describe that? Well, um, Arizona has about 300 days or so of sunshine, maybe a little bit more in the desert, 300 days of sunshine a year. So you can see it's bright as it gets, blue sky and sunny. That's really uh, that's really the typical most of the time. It'll be generally pretty calm, uh, real calm, not much wind. Maybe about noon, it might kick up just a little bit if we got, you know, a lot of heating. It's supposed to be about 80, maybe 80-ish today here at the lake. And uh, if you get if you get some heavy heating, there's a ton of mountains around. I don't know how much you can see because I can't really zoom in. The lake's over here, but lots of uh, elevation changes. Big mountain ranges all around. That's to the north. This is to the south. You know, you've got four peaks behind me, but uh, it's really pretty hard to see, I guess, because I'm so zoomed out. But that goes up to like 7,500 feet elevation right there. Wow. And uh, same with same with that side. So uh, you've got a lot of heating and cooling, and that kind of dictates the wind. And, you know, when it gets hot, you know, it'll suck some wind through. But generally, it's 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 super nice, really calm. Um, right now, I'm looking out at glass, and, and you can see fish uh, throughout the lake. It's kind of towards the sun. I don't know if you can see it, but uh, really calm, beautiful day out there. You can see the saguaros. It's some of the most amazing scenery. I get fish all year. These these desert western lakes are neat. So, you know, that's kind of what I got. Water temperature still reasonably warm. I mean, you could go swimming and, and enjoy it, um, you know, 70s. And uh, it's it's pretty nice, really. We've had some cool nights over the last week or so, and, and uh, they are starting to get where uh they get a little mixed up you know where there's lots and lots of things going on and so uh you know the later we get in october i think the more of those uh schooling offshore you know big numbers of fish are out there it's got a very clear does that help <laughs> no no 100 it, it's got a very uh for you because i could go to alabama and drive seven hours and hit 350 lakes but out west it seems like you're either near a lake or you're in the middle of the desert uh tell me about how does roosevelt i looked at it on the map right there to the east of phoenix south of where you live in payson it's not close to lake powell in the north to the west vegas and uh, lake mead uh all those different lakes there havasu is probably not super far away uh in terms of like closeness but tell me about how those lakes to the west and to the north could be different than where you're at now? Well, there's definitely a lot of variety. You know, you've got our desert, uh, you know, our desert reservoirs, big canyon lakes, steep, deep, 
pretty good clarity. Uh, you know, Roosevelt, Lake Pleasant, Lake Mead, Lake Mojave, Lake Powell, you know, things like that. Lake Havasu uh, doesn't fluctuate. Mojave doesn't fluctuate much either. The rest of these lakes are, are water stored, so they fluctuate a little bit and you get a lot of uh, level change. Um, right now we're, we're in an upswing. Arizona had a fantastic, one of the best winters of my lifetime. And the lake had already been really healthy for a couple of years. So we're looking at probably the best conditions of my lifetime, really. Um, wow. Right now, the lake is higher than it's ever been in September, October. So we're still at uh, almost 90%. I think it might be 88, 89 today or something like that. Uh, I haven't looked for a week or so, but that's incredible here. And what that does is um, if you compare it to things like uh, Obregon or uh, Falcon, Amstad when it's full, uh, it's it's a lot like that. Tons and tons of heavy flooded br uh, brush, you know, mesquites, cactus, you know, salt cedars, uh, you know, some willows, lots of cottonwoods, tons and tons of heavy cover. So the lake is, is all time healthy. It's going to be, you know, it's going to put out weights that are um, falcon-like and Mexico-like, and and it has, you know, three fish tournaments. There were some three fish tournaments that, you know, over the summer that were, you know, anywhere from 18 to 27 pounds to win. So um, pretty incredible weights, and the good news is we don't have to have much of a winter for it to be full again this year. So we really are piggybacking off multiple years, and, and it's just an ideal time for, for us uh, here. So uh, pretty exciting fishing. Um, I kind of deviated from your question a little bit, but, uh, you know, obviously we've got some canyon deep clear reservoirs, but, uh, you know, when you go to the Colorado river on the lower Colorado, you're dealing with a, a river, a lot of current flooded backwaters, um, you know, tons of cane and tules, and those are, uh, those are, uh, Bull rushes, reeds, reeds and buggy. yeah, reeds for us. <laughs> Tulies, uh, we always love going. We have to always flat, say it, yeah. Yeah, it's either a flat tule or a pencil tule out here around them. Just so, like uh, grass down south is weeds up north, weeds. so yeah, we yeah, got to turn exactly. <laughs> fish, fish in the weeds. So uh, you know that that lower Colorado and and a lot of of uh, Lake Havasu to Lake Mojave is uh, flooded shallow cover tules, and then uh, you know we. We, I also kind of think of places like the California Delta as, as home. Really, it's 14 and a half hours for me to get I was there. But just, I just a, did it on the calendar, a, on the map, uh, to see how far it was. Yeah, the, the West is just wide open, big, you know. And so, you know, we got to travel quite a bit. I get a kick out of these guys that, you know, if they if they can't get there by lunchtime from Nashville, they're, you know, they're, they're, <laughs> you're upset about how much gas they spend and don't get me wrong i hate spending money on gas but like i'm like you guys got no clue it takes me no. three days to get out every tournament you guys are at and that's <laughs> the nearest grocery backyard. store is 14 hours away what are we talking yeah. about yeah uh, come on man another come back see we'll see some we'll we'll see a little bit different things happen so that's, um, I said that we, me and Kyle have talked about this. I would love to do an out West swing like everybody wants us to, but I would love to spend an entire month and we maybe do three of the four weeks. We have a back-to-back, -back, we have a week off and then another tournament so that we have three, we have a third of our schedule maybe out there. Um, and, and obviously there's multiple times of the year we could do it, but to follow up on that, you were talking about the types of lakes that you have and the diversity and variety. 
all these lakes are they going to have largemouth, smallmouth, and spotted bass, or is that just some? Or are there some lakes that excel at one over the other, and it changes for the next lake? Uh, everything's going to have largemouth. A handful of them are going to have smallmouth. Like Lake Mojave next week will be heavy, heavy on the smallmouth, big bags, and uh, uh, some largemouth. Havasu is is an, about an even mix, I'd say, of smallmouth, largemouth. Uh, the lower river is is mostly largemouth. Roosevelt's got a decent population of smallmouth, but it's probably going to be more 80, 80% largemouth catches, maybe more. And uh, you catch a lot more of them in the winter when they just kind of get more active and available. Uh, Lake Powell, loaded with smallmouth, um, you know, a decent largemouth fishery. Same with Lake Mead, loaded with smallmouth, uh, decent largemouth. Um, the spots, they all happen up north. We don't have any down here, but uh, you're going to be talking about places like Chasta, Oroville, uh, you know, the famous things that you hear about Bullers Bar, you know, those Bolson, giant ones. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah, all those places are <clears throat> mainly Northern California deals, and uh, everywhere's got largemouth. And um, I've been fishing. Here's a little, here's a little bizarre trivia. I've been traveling for, I think, since about 2005 out east. My four biggest bass have still come from this lake right here, my home lake. So, wow. and and that's that's what I love about the West is you always have the potential to catch an absolute behemoth, you know. So, uh, I do love that. This lake, uh, my biggest, 13.6, got a couple in the 13 range, 12 and a half, and uh, they, uh, you know, obviously California, you can even get some bigger ones. You know, I've got friends that have got. And, and a buddy of mine out of Saguaro down below here, 14 and a half, a couple wow. of friends with 14 and uh, the California guys, you know, they can even get a bigger one than that occasionally, you know, 16, 17, 18. So, uh, yeah, I wish we had the Western swing. You're preaching to the choir. Uh, we need your help. We got to set it up. So I'll, I'll just, I'll just go ahead and put, put you on the burner. When would you want to do it? Let's just say we did three elites out West. And when I say West, I mean, you're talking about Clear Lake being one that you travel to frequently. That's like if I drove to where I went to school at East Carolina, that's 15 hours from Little Rock. So if that's all within the realm, it's crazy. But if you had to formulate three lakes in a four-week span, what time of year would it be? And what would your three what would your three places be? Well, I it would depend which ones we're going to, but you could do an early swing prior to the classic down here in the desert. You could do one at uh uh, Roosevelt, Havasu, uh, Lake Mead, Lake Mojave. Mojave's a sleeper, let me tell you. Mojave is loaded with big ones now. And, uh, it, you know, that would be a good early season because those giant, giant smallmouth, you know, they catch some sevens, you know, six, seven, eights in there. Wow. And um, that would be a good time. Uh, obviously, the desert, we, we can fish here all year. Uh, people come here for the winter. This, you know, we have good fishing right through Christmas normally. So, um, you could do an early stretch or like last time, uh, 2015, which was fantastic. I loved it. Um, almost got to win both of them, but, uh, that is a good time also, especially like for the Northern Cal step, the California Delta is, is fantastic in, in, uh, in May. You can get a full moon in May on the California Delta. You got good tide swings. You got a lot of different things going on. You got uh, some pre-spawn bass, mo you know, more of them closer to the spawn and some post-spawn. Uh, a lot of things going on. It's a fantastic time to go there. 
Havasu, you know, showed out in May last time. It was fantastic. Uh, everybody had 14 pounds or, or, you know, I mean, it was really, really good fish and lots of good fish. Um, so that would be another good time. You know, if you came like, a uh, an April, May ish, um, and, and you could do a later one than that, but there's a lot of great places we could go. Now, if you came here in June, you would crack them. I mean, it would be absolutely a smash fest, but it'd be hot. It'd be super hot. You know what I mean? It'd be like going to, you know, Falcon and in May or June or, or even, even it can be that hot on, on, uh, some of the Tennessee river lakes in June where you're, For you know, sure. in the nine, you know, close to a hundred. So, um, most likely like that, that April, May time frame would, would work. And you could do a pre classic time frame if, if you just mainly stuck to the desert lakes or added in the, the spotted bass factor. You know, I, I've fished, uh, on, on Shasta in January and it's been excellent. So, um, those places, Hey, maybe we don't why don't we just do two elites and then have a week and a half off and we'll just do the third event out west is the classic why don't we just do that well that's what i was hoping the 50th anniversary was going to be at lake me <laughs> yeah well they didn't have any water now they have water just like two years three years later they have water finally yeah well they had more water than most anywhere else we go a couple of years ago but last year the ramps did drop out of the water yeah, yeah. but uh it's it's come back up some this year they had good recovery and good good winter but uh It'll take another big one or two to, to get it back up. But I wish we'd do that. That I'd be all for it. Bring the do two Western events and then the, the classic at Lake Mead, bring it on. I'd love that. I think, I think there's a couple things I wanted to, to mention here. Obviously, the first one being, I guess I didn't realize the largemouth size on the, the high end. Clifford's over here talking about catching multiple 13s. I don't know a single person from the state I grew up in that could say that. Uh, so that's that's honestly really surprising. And then two, uh, I feel like a bit of a, a wuss now because one of my biggest complaints since moving to central Alabama is that I'm like 45 minutes from the closest lake as where, where I grew up, I was like 20 minutes from three lakes. Uh, so now I, I really don't feel bad. Now we're talking about 13 and a half, 14 hours to a home lake. So a uh, couple of things I uh, I just wanted to mention there. But Clifford, one thing we always do on this podcast for the bottom of the pattern of the month, excuse me, is, uh, you know, give us your top three baits. But since you already talked about a couple of them, give us your your top five. If we can stretch you out to five, give you your five baits that you couldn't live without in October. Um, I got a helicopter coming over here. It might get loud, but, uh, you know, obviously, uh, my cliffhanger, it's the, the drop shot worm, uh, from big bite baits. And, uh, that's going to be my number one for fish catches for really getting a lot of action. Now, if I'm talking about, uh, I need to wait. Is it pretty loud? That helicopter? No, you're good. Okay. Okay. Uh, then, uh, my number two would be top waters. Uh, a lot of times this, this uh, Rico or real Rico, really good bait for, for catching big ones and good numbers if you can get them near the surface schooling too. Uh, so so top waters are going to be way up there. Um, my my go-to to try to win a tournament, I'm probably going to be flipping a jig, uh, flipping heavy cover, or maybe, you know, fishing top waters around shallow heavy cover. Um, I'd take a, a green pumpkin, uh, brown jig with uh, – um, the ram tail craw, it's a little kicker, kicker legs craw that we designed from, uh, for big bite baits. And, uh, that would be something that would really be, uh, I would stick to that in my arsenal. Now, 
um, some of the lakes they're going to get offshore and they're going to get, you know, get deep. So then I would be looking at, uh, if I was talking about say a clear lake or here at Roosevelt, um, I might be fishing a, a deep crankbait or, uh, a uh, big football jig, same with that ramtail trailer. I want some good, good kick, good action. A heavy jig with like a three quarter ounce gives me that motion to, to uh, trigger fish. Um, I want to get a lot of movement, you know, falling rock to rock to rock. And uh, how many is that? I think you got cliffhanger, yeah, top water, flipping, and then a crankbait. Okay. I didn't keep count, but uh, if I had to throw something else, we've got a little uh, bait we've made called the spider bait. It's basically a, it's an Alabama rig cross. It's a compact, uh, it's a compact uh, Alabama rigs got mostly blades on it and we can use two hooks in Arizona. So we just put two little swim baits on the back. That's a great fish catcher and it will catch big ones too. So though, that would be my range of things that I'd really like to do. Um, if I was over on the smallmouth places where, where there's a lot more smallmouth potential, I'd be leaning more towards some of the, uh, you know, the, the cliffhanger and also maybe a little uh, a Ned rig, um, you know, smallmouth tricks, a wacky, wacky worm with, you know, weight like Nico, um, things like that. Um, definitely lean more in, into some of those smallmouth tricks if, if, you've, if you're on places like Havasu, Mojave, uh, Lake Powell. Uh, Lake Mead. So, uh, yeah, I guess that'd be, that'd be my range. Um, again, the fall is a time where you've rarely got just a couple or just a few rods out on the front deck. Um, usually you've got a lot of stuff going on because everything gets all over in the water column and, you know, you could leave the river arm, drive across the lake and they could come up boiling in the middle. There's just, there's a million things that happen in the fall. And so, uh, it's junk fishing heaven. And uh, those are five or six things that I would use, but um, I'm going to have a lot of things available. Clifford, uh, forward-facing sonar has been a big topic in the sport, and it's obviously changed. Like, you were one of the best anglers when it comes to smallmouth fishing or finesse fishing with 2D or side imaging. Uh, you always turn that back, you know, unit on the ram mount, and, and you're able to see what your side imaging is doing while you're up there. What have you learned from using, I think you use active target or, or you did in the past maybe, but what do you, what have you learned from forward facing sonar on places like Roosevelt, where you probably caught them doing the same things with 2d years ago. Now you're seeing like, Oh, this was right. Or this is where I was wrong. Well, you definitely can see fish behavior. You realize you've probably never made a cast that a fish wasn't following your bait. You know, so it's it is a weird thing um, when you see how much is going on down there. It's obviously changed drastically the delay of the tournament world. Um, you know, I I wish it had never got invented because I love just the instinct of bass fishing and, and all that. But now that it's here, it's it's not going to go away. There's nothing you can do about it. And um, I think the drawback from being an older angler or been around a while and what hurts a lot of the older anglers and anglers and why you see that that young age class uh, of guys now um, competing best, you know, really dominating a lot of things is that's that's what they're starting out with. That's what they're growing up with. And, you know, with with all the live uh, feed everywhere we've ever been, you know where to go, what to throw, uh, what to look for, all these things. And then you take uh you take guys that are that are grown up on live technology um, 
and and they're they're committing to it. I think the whole deal is they're committing to it. We all can use it, um, but you have to you have to put those other things out of your mind. You can't dabble in it because the margins are so slim. Uh, say on the elite series that uh, not committing to that the entire time. Uh, and just like some, and then, Hey, I, I can kind of catch them doing this too. This is what I normally do. Um, it just leaves you a step behind. So um, it, it's one of those things where it's really changed the face of fishing. Um, I, I think the only thing I can do is embrace it and be good at it. Um, but it's a, it is a, it is a real mind battle to, to make yourself um, do that instead of go flip some shallow cover or, flip some docks or want to look under the docks and and dabble here and dabble there. And, you know, man, I've got a lot of these things when you've got a guy out there that from the, from the get go, he's, he's scoping. And when the, you know, when the clock runs out, he, he's still scoping and, you know, it's hard to beat that. It's hard to beat that. So I think it's, it's changed where the, you know, the, the weights slide up. You know, you catch everything that lives somewhere. And um, if, if you're caught dabbling, you're going to finish somewhere just below that or in the middle or even low, you know, if it doesn't work out. So it's it's really a, uh, it's really changed how things are. And as, as somebody that's been doing this a while, it's <laughs> you've got to change some of your habits. And uh, we've seen it, you know, fantastic fishermen getting left behind and, and uh um, the whole new thing developing. So I, I think you've got to embrace it. It's not have, going away. Have you seen and, it at uh, the, uh, the local level or the, the U S opens and things out West? Like when you're around home, you're like, wow, the weights are up or wow. Like the weights are similar that they used to, but to get a check, it's more, you know, you know, I haven't been able to fish local enough yet to, to know, but I, I know it's, it's a major part of it, you know, and the guys that have embraced it, obviously, you know, they watch, you can learn everything. Now you got watch you guys on the live show. You know, they know that's, that's what I'm going to do. You know, who hasn't bought the live technology, you know, it's, it's, it's uh, for sure changed everything. I think it'll, you know, there's always a little bit of a lag time in local events where, um, you know, we're on the elite series. It's if you're not doing it, you're yeah. getting, you're clobbered, you know, yeah. and, and, uh, in the local stuff, there's probably a mix of guys still doing well, doing what they do and guys that are scoping and, and having that kind of success. So yeah, it's there, but it's probably not, you know, 80, 90% through the field as, as, a, uh, as it would be on like the elite series. Clifford, here's so, something I've thought a handful of times, and this is very, it's a hard question to ask. There might not be a good answer, but, um, when I think about your career and guys like Chris Aldane and a handful of, of West coast guys, it seems like the two extremes, like the extremely finesse stuff you guys are incredibly good at. And then the, you know, the opposite of that, like the big baits and fishing swim baits and things like that. It's like the two most extreme things possible, like West coast anglers, a lot of times tend to, um, you know, have success with, is there anything you can, you can kind of like pinpoint that too, or is it just the, you know, the fact that the lakes are such a wide variety of, of, you know, things. That's a big part. I think the lakes are such a wide variety of things. If you grew up fishing out West and, you know, we've got some Western anglers on the elite series that they didn't really grow up fishing out West, but if you're talking Zaldane and 
me and you know and and you know generations before Aaron, Steve, Amart, yep. uh, you know John Josh. Murray, uh, you know and and yeah, Josh is you know younger than me. He's actually newer and 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 Josh fishes in Arizona, but but he grew up fishing, you know, out east. Really, you know, his tour level experience. But we go back to where it was it was Clear Lake, California Delta, Shasta, you know, Mead, Mojave, uh, Havasu, Powell, all that stuff. And so I think there's such a such a big variety um, that that that's probably why. And the other thing is on the giant bass fisheries, really you can't compete uh, unless you, uh, you you you've got to weigh those giants. And so, like say, if you're fishing a tournament at Clear Lake, you've got to make five enormous bass bites. So that either means that you uh, you put a big swim bait on or something that you know, you are selecting for giants all day long, or you're finding an area that has giants and getting bites. And that's why like things like when the drop shot came out, you know, it was winning tournaments and it still does on, you know, California Delta, Clear Lake. Uh, first time, you know, some of the first times I went to Clear Lake, I'm like, I didn't come here to throw a drop shot. And, and, you know, I, Luke, Cla Luke Clausen, I think he won one of them, you know, with a four and a half inch drop shot worm and, and my, my co-angler partner that stayed with me, he won, you know, fishing that thing. And so it, you know, that was an eye opener at the time. So I think that's the two extremes. Um, if you can find where the big ones live, the best way to get bit is a drop shot a lot of times. And so if you get bites, you get those big ones. Now, if you've got to just really cover water to get the, you know, get the right fish to bite, you know, something big like a swim bait, you know, the giant baits you see Chris Zaldane throwing, those things are what you have to um, really commit to uh, to get those those uh, those big bags. Which means you can and come so, in with three, or you know you don't get a limit one day. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and 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 in those tournaments out here, there's a whole lot of guys that do that. You know, they got two big ones and and three big ones, but it's not enough. Um, so, uh, but enough guys commit to it that you have to do that in order to in order to get them. So it's it's a uh, I think that's part of the reason. And, and um, I don't know, the West is a really weird, it's totally different than out East. And there's some guys that were really able to, to succeed out East. I've been, I've been, I've only won one tournament um, East of Arizona. You know, uh, I won one on Chickamauga like 10, 12 years ago. And uh, you almost you know, won on Fort Loudon uh, a couple years ago too. Well, I've had, I've had some good events, you know, don't get me wrong. I got second in Florida and I've had a, you know, some top tens in Florida and up north and all over. But um, like out west, I can win. I feel like I can win and I've won a lot. You know, take a guy like John Murray. John Murray dominated the west. Um, but he, you know, he won one or two out there. I think he won one on, on Toledo Bend a few years ago and and won one uh, maybe maybe Louisiana or something. I think he won a Washita River event or something like that. But, you know, Guys like Skeet and Aaron and Brent Ayler, they were able to take uh, Brett Height. They were able Lucas. to take take their yeah. Lucas is just strong everywhere. You know, fantastic, such a versatile and great fisherman. Um, they've been able to really win out east and and kind of kind of take that confidence and fish out there. I don't know what it is, but you know, there's just something where a lot of times, uh, anytime out west, I'm fishing to win. When I go out there, sometimes I'm fishing to survive and, and get classic points because I'm like, okay, I don't quite get it. <laughs> I don't know how to make this happen. And it's not really worth it for me to bomb 
when I need to get, you know, stay in that top 50 money cut and points race for the Bassmaster Classic. So it's it's uh, it's funny how some guys have been really able to to take that out there. And, uh, you know, I maybe haven't so much and John or, you know, you know, John, you know, there's some guys that just really haven't been able to do that out east as well. Hey, um, you've had you've had your maybe not wins, but man, for uh, about a, a decade span, uh, I was more shocked if you missed the classic than if you made it because you were in the top 20 points. So don't sell yourself short on consistency. But yeah, every angler goes out with the intention of winning. Um, Clifford, when we do these in the off season with anglers, they're either on the water or in the stand. I don't even think you get in the stand because your type of hunting out there, I, I said that we might talk about this a little bit. Your type of hunting is that 75 foot elevation behind you. You just climb to the top of that and shoot the biggest thing that's up there. So tell us about hunting season from October to, to Christmas and, and what you can hunt for and uh, man, how much enjoyment and how that's a whole nother aspect of your life. You get to enjoy for business reasons, but also stuff that no one else in the world will see, or at least no one else on the elites will normally see. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the biggest reason I haven't moved out there. It's not smart. You know, Justin Lucas moved to Alabama. Aaron moved to Alabama. Lots of guys. Fred moved out there. Uh, lots of guys move out there. And it's not smart to come out here. But I can't give up. I love where <laughs> I live. I can walk, you know, 20, 30, 40 miles in any direction and never cross private property. I can go anywhere I want without getting permission. And um, I love that. Uh, we uh, we're right kind of in the, in the middle or tail end of the elk rut right now. So lots of exciting action, you know, seeing the big bulls making a lot of noise or bugling. It's a really exciting time. Um, I've got a late archery tag and I've got some guys, some friends and fishermen coming. David Williams is coming. He's got a late archery tag. Wow. Cool. And uh uh, we will be doing some tree stand hunting then, you know, there's, it, you know, you see desert down here, but you get up in elevation, there's trees and canopy, big pine. On top of a cactus, like you're sitting in the cactus. Yeah, yeah you could, you could <laughs> hang a stand in a, in a, in a saguaro down here, but they're rough to climb. But, uh, um, we, uh, we'll do some late, late archery hunting and then some late rifle hunting. There's a little bit of late rifle hunting after that, the elk, mainly elk, a lot of deer, a lot of my buddies are just hard, hardcore uh, coos deer hunters we've got some hardcore mule deer hunters my dad has a really neat tag uh, here just north of me in the unit right here uh, there's only 10 permits for december uh, for mule deer so that's kind of a fun one we're gonna have to hold his bullets keep his bullets from him because he's a killer and he never goes without filling his tag i burn a lot of tags because i'm like i want that one and you know we're gonna go for that one until we do or we don't so uh yeah, lots of fun hunting opportunities. Um, you know, small game stuff opens tomorrow, quail, ducks, uh, turkey, um, all, all kinds of stuff. Uh, you know, the waterfowl things and, and, uh, bird hunting, but, um, lots of, lots of hunting opportunities. I love being in the mountains, um, but I will fish a lot. I love to fish too. And, and, uh, We'll try to mix it all in. So I, did I, did I go to anywhere near your question on that? No, a hundred percent. We just, Hey, all I know is that if Brandon Polinick and Cliff Perch were on top of a mountain somewhere out West, they could probably hit me if I stepped out my back door in Little Rock, just because y'all are some of the best hunters uh, in the world, it seems, especially sportsman wise, but um, Clifford appreciate you joining us for pattern of the month. Get out on Roosevelt. Go catch a teener. If you do, please send us a photo of it. We will put it in the podcast before it airs. You got about an hour to go catch them. So uh, thank you for joining us. We hope to go out west. Tell everybody, Bass doesn't hate the west. 
we're we're trying to figure it out. There's a lot of change happening. I am trying to be on the on the inside of the company, and so is Kyle probably saying, let's do it. Let's just go do it. There's a lot of anglers, a lot of fishermen out there, a lot of fans that would enjoy seeing it, and uh, it's definitely a trip. My only regret in life is that I walked across my college graduation to get my diploma, and I missed the Lake Havasu event. I was at Delta. I flew home to graduate college, and I missed the Havasu event. I took it for granted. I thought we'd be back soon. So hopefully we come back well, and, uh, yeah. Hopefully you come back. I'm all for it. Obviously the Western folks, you know, when that schedule comes out, they're hurt that it's not on there. And, and, uh, I, I, I'm with them. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm all for an, a Western event. I think you need to come back to Lake Havasu and experience it. Um, I should just so come I'll just to it. come. That'd be so, great. Yeah. And, uh, but, you know, I, I'm just looking forward to that. That was one of the major reasons why I switched to the Elite Series about you know, 11, 12, 13 years ago. And uh, is that Western swing. So I'm I'm hoping for it again. And, uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see. But today, you know, we got a beautiful day. I'm going to go out fish uh, on Roosevelt. And hopefully we'll catch a bunch. We're going to go for a 13-pounder. And uh, I've got a, a, a guy from the tackle shop. It's a great new tackle shop, Copper State Tackle. They've got an online store and they're expanding. Great guys. They've got a super uh, new shop going on. We're going to go out and I'm going to learn more about that. So um, something your fans can check out also. And uh, yeah, we'll see if we can't send you a giant one. I will, I will try to send you a picture of a big one today. That would be great. Kyle, it's been a pleasure talking with Clifford Perch. It is a wild. I went on a mission trip to Vegas and we got to see Meade and Henderson in that region. And that's not even nearly out in the middle of nowhere like some of the other places are. And it's a, it's a wild world out there. Pretty cool to see the lines on the water from the 1980s where the water used to be and then here and then how it goes up and down. So Clifford, be safe, have fun. We will see you at Toledo Bend to kick off the Elite Series schedule. Okay, thanks guys. Good talking to you and I'll work on that picture.